You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. You know, it is the holiday season. Things are ramping up. We had Rosh Hashanah. We had Yom Kippur. And now... Um, we're getting ready for the Sukkot holiday. A really, it's like the, almost like the crown of all the holidays. Because in the Jewish calendar, it's really fascinating. The Jewish calendar actually begins, even though the new year begins on Rosh Hashanah. However, in the order of holidays, Passover is actually considered the first holiday, which becomes fascinating. You have Passover, we leave Egypt. You have the Jewish people get the Torah. And then really what happens is you get to the Sukkot holiday. And the Sukkot holiday um, represents when God protected us with the clouds, those clouds of glory that protected us on all four sides and on top and on bottom. So the Sukkot holiday represents, symbolizes those clouds of glory. So that's the order, right? You, we leave Egypt. We get the Torah. God now protects us for the next 40 years in the desert. So therefore, the Sukkot holiday is like the crown. That's, that's one point to keep in mind. The second point, interesting enough to keep in mind, is you have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then Sukkot is again following, right? God is king. God judges us. He seals the decree. And now we say, okay, God, we're going to hang out with you for a week. Uh, very interesting also to think about everything. You know, we like to think a lot around here. Um, and there's so much stuff that's flying through my head because my guest is a few minutes late. Either he'll join us in the next segment, maybe he'll come at the end of this one. <clears throat> Apologize about the throat, about the voice, but that's what happens when you leave the services. And, of course, I'm fasting for those 24, 26 hours over Yom Kippur. And I'm, leaving, I'm leading the services in the morning, and I'm leading the afternoon services. So it's a, a lot of strain on the throat, and it doesn't help that it's raining outside. So all those things put together say that my voice is not what I would like it to be. However, I asked my daughters um, after the services, I said, how did I sound in the afternoon? My voice was clear because when I was leading the services, I'm not a cantor. So um, I didn't think my voice was that... Uh, was working too well, and either they're good daughters or they were telling the truth. They said, I was fine. I said, it works for me. But we'll do the best we could. So um, a- another facet of, of, of Sukkot, of Sukkot a- and that's what, what I'm saying, right? Rosh Hashanah, we make, we'd say God is king. On Yom Kippur, it's the end of the judgment. It's the forgiveness for things we've done wrong. And now we're going to hang out with God, right? That's what we want. The Sukkot holiday, we are in the Sukkah. Really, I should back up um, to explain. A Sukkah is, you know, you call it a hut. 
you got a couple walls and you have a very temporary roof. So temporary that in the weather today where it's raining, um, it won't do very well. You could have bamboo mats, you could have uh, um, green branches or leaves or evergreen stuff, not the stuff that falls off the trees, but, but that kind of branches, those greens. I once had a friend that cut you know, tall grass from the side of the highway and he put that on top of his, uh, his little hut. And uh, but this little hut is gonna hold a lot of people. Well, well, I'm way, way jumping ahead. So there's a very interesting um, Vilna Gon who talks about um, there's very few commands, very few mitzvos that your whole body is involved. You know, it's, I eat matzah on Passover. Okay, my stomach, my my mouth, maybe. Um, I uh, I wear a garment with the tzitzit, so okay, so it's part covering my chest maybe. Um, chauffeur, my ears hear the sound of the chauffeur. Um, if I give charity, so okay, so my hands gave the charity. But can you find a command that your whole body is involved? And if you start to think about it, there really aren't too many. As a matter of fact, there's only two. Um, one, I believe, is the Sabbath, that the whole Sabbath, my whole body is involved. Um, but Sukkot is the other one. And as my whole body is sitting in the sukkah. My whole body is sitting in the sukkah. So, um, so that's a mitzvah that my whole body is involved in. Why do we want, need a command that my whole body, my whole body and soul, if you'd like, is in that because my whole body and soul just said God is king. My whole body and soul just asked for forgiveness. Now my whole body and soul wants to go ahead and do a positive command. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what really Sukkot is all about. It's just so many. I'm jumping from here to there. Like the sukkah, to, we eat there. People sleep there. Um, this year we'll see. I can't really let my class come because of COVID, but they can come visit. I'm not going to pack them all in because that's putting uh, 20 children in a very small, not very socially distanced uh, room. Um, but I told them, I said, you know what, guys? I said, whenever you want, come by and visit. A couple at a time. we got lots of room. I already bought the nash for them. Nash is a great word. Um, when I was coming from Toronto, when you were allowed to go across the border... So he came back, and you know, whenever you go through customs, they always ask you, do you have any um, food with you? So my wife is sitting there munching on a bag of potato chips. It's kind of hard to say, no, we have no food. So I said, we have a little bit of nash. So the guy, I believe, uh, was from Mexico. So the likelihood is he never heard the word nash in his life. So he says, what's nash? I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Nash is like a Yiddish word for snacks. And my wife holds up her bag of potato chips or dipsy doodles or whatever it was. Nash. Like he repeated it a few times because you know that the next Jewish family coming through and he says, do you have any food? And they say no. And he's going to say, do you have any nash? So I don't know how that will go over. It did go over. I have no idea. But um, in any case, so I will have some nash for my students 
Um, I actually have those, uh, if you know what these are, they're called Laffy Taffy. It's like a taffy rope. So they love that. The parents might not, but, you know, it's okay. And like a little bag, one of these snack bags, um, like miniature little sandwich cookies. So that way everything's clean and neat and stuff. And um, so we're looking forward to that. And we, we'll sing a little bit and we'll, we'll tell stories a little bit. But the idea is over the Sukkot holiday, you really want to hang out as much as possible in your sukkah. You have guests, hang out in the sukkah. You want to study, hang out in the sukkah. You're going to eat lunch, breakfast, supper, holiday meals, eat them in the sukkah. Obviously, if you're going on a, on a trip, right, if you're doing some type of family trip, right, a lot of families are off, certainly now with COVID, everybody's off. You're going to do some type of trip, which there aren't too many to do right now, which is extremely problematic. The truth is, I have a lot of grandchildren coming for the holiday. Um, so what do you do? You can't, where are you going to go? Yeah, I guess you go to a park, you know, find a set of sink, swing sets or something. You could do something, but like, what could you do? So for those listening, I'm giving you some very good ideas what you can do for your own. I'm not saying to do this for the neighborhood. Don't open this up for the neighborhood. But in a private way where it's just family, so um, we actually have two really fun plans. Besides, I didn't like buying um, multiple family um, passes to the zoo because I could have four or five families, and uh, that's a little expensive. I know you're all thinking, so let the kids pay. It's kind of hard. You have your kids there, and, and you're telling them, okay, we're going to the zoo, and you have to pay to get in. It doesn't sound nice because everybody's, you know, you intimidated everybody. Oh, we're all going to the zoo, so you, the kids want to come. But you didn't want to spend the, you know, the 120 on the, on the membership, which is great if you live in Detroit, but they, they live out of town. So it's a one-time deal. It's very expensive. So to not pressure anyone, um, we're doing really two cool things. We're, we're, we're renting a petting zoo, if you can imagine. I think it's like for birthday parties. But they're going to pull up, they're going to have goats and rabbits and I don't know what, and a pony ride. So have for about an hour so the kids can run around and they can feed the animals. And they give them rides up and down. Either I'm doing it in the street or, or my backyard's not so big for ponies. Or I may have a, a private field that I can use. I can't exactly announce where it is. Because then more people will come. And what am I going to do? Say, no, you can't come? Like, hello. Um, and then I'm going to rent one of those, um, what do you call those things? Those bouncy things. Those bounce houses where, they, you know, they blow them up. And they have those generators that are that, that keep the things bouncing. It's like a bounce house. Like the kids jump up and down on these things. And they bounce. And they run into each other. And then they bang each other. And then they cry. And then, okay, no, they don't cry. Go in and out. Those you could keep, like, they let you keep it at your house for, like, six hours. Just plug the thing in, they set it up, and then they pull it down six hours later. So there are four days that technically I have to entertain them, but I think if we do two major types of entertainment, I think that should should work out pretty well. So we're excited about that. Um, For those who are concerned with the COVID there is a, I'm teaching in a classroom. We have our social distancing and, and the masks and the shields. And we, the last few days, we actually ate outside. 
So we're outside more and the recess outside and snack outside and projects outside. But we're actually doing something fascinating. And from what I'm reading, I'm on these different uh, groups, uh, not chats, but like an email group um, that, uh, across the country in, um, in day schools. It's a really a very brilliant idea. Everybody knows that families are going to be visiting and meeting with each other around the country. There's, there's not much you can do about it. Yes, a lot of my family is getting those antibody tests to find out if they have the antibodies. But you're not stopping families from getting together. It's just not realistic. They did a pass over time. You, we talked about it. You burnt everybody out. Um, there's no legal rules to say that they can't go visit. So everyone's going to visit. That's what's happening. The problem is if you're a school, right, you don't want when everybody comes back from the holiday to find out that these three families were, uh, were, uh, were in contact with somebody who had COVID and then they're going to spread it through the school. That you don't want. So the question is, what can you do about that? So, very smart idea. So the holiday, the vacation for us started today. Today I'm actually on vacation from school. And the holiday itself starts on this weekend, on Shabbos, and it goes for eight days. And then after the holiday, that means we're off for about 10 or 11 days. So when the holiday is over and everybody clears out of town, or for somebody 20 years younger than me that would take his family to visit their parents or their in-laws, they'll come back the next day and school will stay closed for another week. That way... What they're finding is if people were exposed and if they're going to have symptoms, by the end of that week, you know if somebody has symptoms. Okay? Get tested. Don't come to school for a few days. So by the time we get back into school, everyone who's been everywhere, for the most part, will have a pretty good idea of uh, if there was a new spread, if there was a spike, if there's families that have to stay home. We can reevaluate. But uh, that's, for the most part, what's happening. There are schools with different rules. Uh, um, if you go to certain areas, if you go to certain, uh, certain groups or certain gatherings, they're going to make you quarantine. Okay, each school is going to do what works for them. That's, that's all there is to it. Everyone's doing what works for them. So um, I can't remember if I told the story last week. I certainly meant to tell the story last week. It's possible. I didn't tell the story last week, but um, I figure, why not bring it up again? Because uh, what happened was that um, originally in my synagogue, I told you, those that w- either you could be inside, social distance with masks, or you could be outside. We have a very big porch. We have, a, we have some type of tarp over the porch, so even though it rained, drizzled, it was quite chilly, you don't want to wear a mask, you could be outside on the porch. Or if you wanted to be with a mask outside on the porch because you were nervous about being inside. So um, so originally, there weren't going to be any speeches over Yom Kippur. Which is a good idea if you're trying to move the services along faster. But the problem is there's certain points in the service where you you got to wait. You know what you do to call Nidre, right? For those who know call Nidre... You do the Kol Nidre, and then there's a break because it's not dark enough yet. As you want to, the Kol Nidre is the first prayer that opens up, that begins, that starts Yom Kippur. Um, but that's really happening around sunset. 
And for the most part, you don't want to start the evening prayers till um, till about an hour later. So you anyways have people that are now stuck in a room, and yes, some will go outside, but to not speak means you're leaving people with nothing to do. And for most people with nothing to do, it's just not healthy. They, You want to get the spirit of the day. It's hard to get the spirit of the day when you're talking to your friend about, uh, about what's happening in the world. It's hard. Some of us have the ability to sit and study. I was studying with my children, but not everyone could. So they had asked me, of course, at the last minute, you know, even though we told you you're not supposed to speak, but could you speak for a few minutes? I said, I'll speak for like, I think I said three minutes. I think it became five minutes. And um, I said over the following parable, a very beautiful parable. I hope you appreciate it. That parable goes like this. You have a, a, a widow with a large family, very poor. Food was hard to come by. One day she comes home and uh, she tells her, chick- her children, look, I have an egg. I have a chicken egg. And you can imagine, they're hungry. An egg is very healthy. An egg is filling. An egg is protein. And she tells her children, but we're not going to eat this egg. We're going to give the egg to our neighbor. And our neighbor's chicken will sit on the egg. And that egg will turn into a chick. And we're not going to eat that chick. We're going to let it grow to a full-fledged chicken. We're not going to eat that chicken. We're, we're going to let that chicken lay more eggs. We're not going to eat those eggs. We're going to raise more chickens that will raise more chickens. And then we'll start selling the chickens. And we'll buy cows. And they'll have calves. And then we'll buy a farm. We'll become wealthy. And we'll have food. And as she's waxing poetic, she's so excited, she drops the egg in there. It splatters. And there went her dreams. So the meaning behind that parable, hopefully it's not a true story, but the meaning behind that parable is a lot of times um, on the holidays, I'm sorry, a lot of times before, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, no different than what people do on a regular New Year's. We, people make resolutions. I'm going to become better. I'm going to do this. We make plans how I'm going to become a better person and what I'm going to do. And we make all kinds of plans and ideas and stuff. And the problem is then we get to Yom Kippur and we said we had a lot of plans, but we we don't put our plans into action. If we don't put our plans into action, at the end of the day, we're left with a broken egg. We're left with nothing. We're left with dreams. But the dreams didn't accomplish anything. So, so we... so. What I bring out um, in my synagogue, when I speak every year, I give the same message. The message happens to be by me the same every single year. The only question is, how do I get to the point? So my point always is that there's this concept of letting things slide, not, not getting so upset about everything that happens and not getting angry at everything that happens and having the ability to forgive. If I have the ability to forgive... If I have the ability to not take everything so personally, um, then the world becomes a beautiful place. So I told him, I said, you want to do an action? You want to start with an action? An action is to say the words out loud that I forgive everyone who did anything to me, anybody who harmed me. Um, I forgive the person full, full heartedly. And now I did an action. Now I did something concrete. And that kind of concrete action. First of all, it it creates um, the, this 
it, it creates the fact that I'm a different person and actually creates this, I don't want to say the word aura, but it, it creates that God now will, will much easier, will much more readily forgive me if I become a different person because I can forgive. So if I can forgive, God says, okay, you forgive somebody did something wrong to you. I forgive you for doing something wrong to me. So it, it happens to work out. You know, as we say, the best of both worlds, right? I forgave. I became a better person. God now forgives me. Um, let him walk in. My guest is here. No, make yourself comfortable in the corner. Just finishing a story. Oh, I love stories. Good. <laughs> of course I love stories. You were in my class so many years ago. I love stories. You love stories? Love them. Okay, so love. I decided, now I have like four minutes I'm going to tell you a story. If we don't finish it in this segment, we'll finish it in the next one. Okay. It's almost a continuation of what I've been telling. And I don't remember if when you were in third grade, which was like 100 years ago. Way back. Noah. I said it should be on the paper I sent you how to spell it. Cool? We're all good. So let's see if you remember this story. Let's see. Okay, great story. So when I was, I think, 13. Okay. So as a kid, I'm wearing contacts now. You wear contacts? No, no, I had glasses for a little bit, but uh, it never worked. <laughs> you're one of those guys that don't need glasses. Anyways, yeah. I had big glasses. Okay. I, I was blind as a kid. I, always, I would always tell the boys in class, I'd say, I said, how could you forget your glasses at home? If I don't have glasses, I can't find the door. Yes. I can't see anything. That's it. So I'm walking down a street. It was on Chavez. Okay. I'm walking on one side of the street. It's not a very big street. It's not that wide. It's in Muncie. It was... How wide could it be? 30 feet wide. And my cousin is on the other side of the street. Okay. But the problem was, when I walked, for those people who remember, when you had the, those big glasses and you walked, they bounced on your nose. Right, yeah. You couldn't see who was across the street. It was terrible. I didn't recognize him. Now, it happened to be he was going through, his parents were going through some stuff. There were family stuff going on. Okay. And he was very sensitive. And I didn't notice I did not notice that it was him. So I didn't, either I didn't say good Chavez loud, or I just didn't know who it was. I just kept walking. But I was thinking it might have been my cousin. Right. I, I was close. I, my mother gets a call that night from my aunt. Oh, your son. He passed by my son in the street. He didn't say hello. Oh, and, I, no. and I tell my mother, I say, Ma, come on. You know I can't see. Yeah. I'm blind. I did not recognize him. Okay, so I went to his house, I apologized, right? But it's, the story is the greatest lesson of, uh, of what we call down the kapschos, of, of judging yeah. favorably, of not always jumping to conclusions, of being able to forgive. If you see somebody across the street, a cousin, who you think ignores you, there yeah. can't be any possible good reason why he ignored you, There's except... Gotta be. Right, there's got right, to be. Right, there has to. There's got to be a good reason. That's right, but, the only reason. <laughs> but could you, would you, in your in your wildest dreams, would you imagine? Oh, he probably didn't recognize me. Like that one's not going to yeah, go through your head. That's not the first one for sure. <laughs> that's not the first one. That's not the not last. Not the second one. one. <laughs> not the but, third. But it was true. Wow. Right, it was true. So, you ever have a story which we're not going to have time for now? Probably yeah. get into the next segment. You ever have a story like that where? Where you were just being yourself, mind your own business. Somebody gets all upset at you for apps, not only for not a good reason, yeah. for for completely missing the boat. Like, yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I've, I've had the same thing. I don't even wear glasses, and I've gone across the street into a store, or something, and just not seen someone. 
Yeah, but did they, did they get upset at you? And then they've called me. Oh, how come I saw you in the store? They you called didn't you say back. Hi, you didn't this. Is everything okay? You weren't as friend. Saying I I didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I didn't see you. It's amazing, right? It really is. It really is. But did you at least learn the lesson in the story to tell the guy, friend, yeah. relative, oh, like, yeah. hello? Uh, first of all, I appreciate you called me, right? Because I, I, I just didn't see you. That's what I told him. That's what I said. I said, listen, I think we're good enough friends. I think you know what reason would I... We're good enough friends, right? If there was something that was bothering me, I'd give you a call. I'd say, hey, this is bothering me. This is why I didn't say hi to you. We're friends. That's how it is, you know. You gotta. Did he Did he make you take 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 him out for lunch or no? Her, no, by no. The way? He was like, "It's all good." <laughs> Are you all good? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, didn't say hi to me next time he saw me, but. <laughs> See, I know I would get you in to get through that story. We have so much that's stuff great. to talk about in the next segment. The music is now playing, as you can hear. Love it. Hope you guys liked it short and sweet. Thank you to the response and listening. I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.